is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. West And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. It's Tuesday, December the 6th. Still in my football mode from week 13. Action jam-packed show tonight on the Wise Guys Sports Show. NFL Week 13 has come and passed ladies and gentlemen i am going to get into some big time matchups in the nfl this past weekend we had the san francisco 49ers beat the miami dolphins 33 to 17. i'm gonna get into that matchup here in a bit recap that game also anthony davis is playing some sensational basketball right now i'm going to discuss whether or not it's going to be enough for the Lakers to be true contenders in the Western Conference. And also later on the show, I'm going to discuss a little college football. We got the college football playoffs. The committee announced the four teams that will be a part of the college football playoffs. We got Georgia versus Ohio State. We got Michigan versus TCU. Two big-time matchups on New Year's Eve. I'm going to talk about those two matchups and whether or not I believe the Alabama Crimson Tide got snubbed out of the college football playoffs. But we begin in the AFC as it was an AFC championship rematch. The Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27 to 24 for the Bengals. Joe Burrow went 25 of 31. He threw for 286 passing yards, two touchdowns for the Bengals' running attack, P. Ryan had a great game. He had 21 carries, 106 rushing yards for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes went 16 of 27. He threw for 223 passing yards, one touchdown. So, as I watch this game unfold, Sunday evening in Cincinnati, my biggest takeaway from this game was the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals, they have the Kansas City Chiefs number. Unlike the Buffalo Bills and the L.A. Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, they are not scared of Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Because I talked about on last week's show, when I previewed this matchup, I talked about how, unlike Josh Allen, unlike Lamar Jackson, unlike Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow is not afraid of Patrick Mahomes. And in their previous two matchups against each other, Joe Burrow outperformed. Patrick Mahomes. You look at the matchups before Sunday's game. This was the two wins prior to Sunday for Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes. Burrow had 348 passing yards per game. Mahomes had 267 passing yards per game. Burrow had six touchdowns, one interception. Mahomes had five touchdowns, two interceptions. Burrow had a passer rating of 117.7. And Mahomes had a passer rating of 102.0. So Burrow has outperformed Joe Burrow, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, in their two matchups prior to Sunday. And you look at Sunday's game, 
I thought Joe Burrow made the necessary plays that needed to be made for the Bengals to win that game. And I thought that Patrick Mahomes played decent, but he didn't play at an MVP level for the Chiefs to overcome this elite Bengals offense. Because when you look at this Bengals offense, they got one of the best offenses in the NFL. At receiver, you got Jamar Chase, a top five receiver when he's healthy. You got T. Higgins, who I believe is making a case to be the best secondary option at receiver. Adam Thielen for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson is their number one, but I think Adam Thielen is a reliable number two option in that Vikings offense. That's the same way I view T. Higgins. T. Higgins is a reliable number two option in the Bengals offense. And we saw it in the absence of Jamar Chase. T. Higgins, he bought out against the Steelers and the Titans games where Jamar Chase was out. So T. Higgins is a reliable number two receiver for the Bengals. You got Tyler Boyd as well in the slot. He missed an easy touchdown reception in this game. But besides that, we know how dynamic Tyler Boyd is. And then in the backfield, P. Ryan over the last three games has been playing sensational for the Bengals. In the absence of Joe Mixon, P. Ryan has stepped up and took on the responsibility of being the number one running back for the Bengals. And he's played a big part in the Bengals being on this current winning streak that they're on right now. Right now, the Bengals, they are on currently a four-game winning streak. And P. Ryan has had a major impact on this Bengals offense. In this game, 21 carries, 106 rushing yards. I love Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon is more talented than P. Ryan is. But P. Ryan, he runs hard. He hits each running lane that the Bengals offensive line opens up for him. And even on plays where there's nothing there, P. Ryan makes something out of nothing. And so I can't say enough about the job that he's done. And honestly, overall, this Bengals offense is, is sensational. They have zero weaknesses if their offensive line shows up. If the Bengals' offensive line shows up to the party and performs at a high level, the Bengals' offense is unstoppable. That's how great this Bengals' offense has been. And you look at Joe Burrow, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 3,446 passing yards. He's completing 69% of his passes. This is fresh off a season last year where he had 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. He completed 70% of his passes last year. So Joe Burrow is, is, is an elite quarterback. He's the first quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes three games in a row. And honestly, they nicknamed him Joe Cool. There couldn't be a better nickname for Joe Burrow. It could not be a better nickname for him because this is Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter this season. His QBR is 82. That's ranked third in the NFL. He had nine touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's tied for first in the NFL. And his first down percentage is 45%. That's ranked first in the NFL. This includes a go-ahead touchdown versus the Chiefs on Sunday. I can't say enough about the job that Joe Burrow is doing. And Jamar Chase, in the immediate aftermath of the game, Jamar Chase, he said, on his quarterback, he said, quote, he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. Everybody knows that. He should be in the MVP race. If he's not in it, he should be. Jamar Chase, speaking about his quarterback, he knows that he deserves, his quarterback deserves to be in that MVP race. And, and Joe Burrow's playing some sensational football. And one of the things that I thought was interesting after this game was, I thought about this, Joe Burrow is 3-0 and against Patrick Mahomes. But he's 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns. Make it make sense. Sometimes it's hard to make sense of things in sports. And that stat is one of them. 3-0 versus Patrick Mahomes, 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns. He'll get a chance to improve his record and win his first career start 
against the Browns this weekend. The Browns are in Cincinnati to take on the Bengals at Pecor Stadium Sunday afternoon. But Joe Burrow was sensational in this game. And honestly, I don't believe that Patrick Mahomes played necessarily bad, but I think Burrow outplayed Mahomes again in the meaningful moments of this football game. And on the last possession for the Chiefs, the Chiefs were in Bengals territory. It was fourth and three. I don't like that field goal attempt by the Chiefs. I didn't like that play call by Andy Reid. Now, on that particular play, you could tell that Mahomes was hobbled. He limped to the sideline after the third down sack. So maybe that factored into Andy Reid's decision to try a 55-yard field goal, but I thought they should have went for it on fourth down. I, I, I don't like that play call at all. I don't think Bucker is going to make that 55-yard field goal. I know he has a great leg, and he's made some in the past, but I would have liked for the Chiefs to go for it on fourth and three. You know you have an elite offense on the other side of the field. So more than likely, you're not going to get the football back. We saw Joe Burrow and the Bengals got the football back. They converted on, I believe it was two third downs, two big third down conversions on the ensuing possession. One included a third and 11. I mean, that touch, that that pass and catch that, that Burrow had with T. Higgins on that third and 11 was sensational, was sensational. But I didn't like that play call by the Chiefs and Andy Reid to kick a 55-yard field goal when you got the MVP on your team. You give you give Patrick Mahomes a chance in that moment to, to convert on the first down. And, you know, possibly the Chiefs could have at least got closer to a field goal, to a better field goal attempt if they got to a fourth down again. But you possibly could have taken the lead. They could have taken a four-point lead if they scored a go-ahead touchdown and went up 31-27. to 27. The key play in the game for me, though, was the Travis Kelsey fumble. That was the biggest play of the game because I thought the Chiefs were in a position in that moment to, you know, try to put together a drive and separate themselves from the Bengals. And that fumble by Travis Kelsey was pivotal, pivotal. Biggest play of the game, if you ask me. I love the mentality of Jamar Chase after the game. He talked about how they plan to see the Chiefs again at some point. It wouldn't surprise me if both of these teams end up in the AFC Championship game again. But this time, depending on how the season ends, it could be in Cincinnati, not Kansas City. Because the Bengals now at 8-4, they got a chance to position themselves to be the number one seed in the AFC and have the road to the Super Bowl have to come through Cincinnati at Paycar Stadium. Bills right now, they're nine and three, and they got the tiebreaker over the Chiefs because of their win over the Chiefs earlier in the season. But if the Bengals continue to win games and position themselves, they can they can definitely have a chance at the number one seed in the AFC for sure. And the Bengals play the Bills week 17 at Paycar Stadium. So that's going to be a big-time matchup for seeding in the AFC and possibly that buy in the first round. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss the 49ers 33-17 to 17 win over the Dolphins. I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. 
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. Let's transition to San Francisco. It was a battle in the Bay between the 49ers and the Dolphins. The 49ers beat the Dolphins 33 to 17. Jimmy Garoppolo broke his foot in this game. It's a great possibility he's going to be out for the season, but there were reports earlier today about how his foot doesn't need surgery and he could possibly return in seven to eight weeks. If the 49ers are still playing and they're in the playoffs, he could possibly return at some point. He left this game in the first quarter. Tua also left this game on the Dolphins' final drive. He had an ankle injury, but the injury is not believed to be significant, and he is expected to start next week. The Dolphins in this game, Tua, he went 18 of 33, 295 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Tyreek Hill had nine receptions for 146 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the 49ers, Brock Purdy stepped in in the absence of Jimmy Garoppolo. As I look at this game and the 49ers and their chances at being able to win the NFC, honestly, I know this may sound crazy to some 49ers fans, but I don't believe that the 49ers are going to have a significant drop-off from Jimmy Garoppolo to Brock Purdy. I don't. like, And I know people are going to say, like, what? Are you serious? Like, the way Brock Purdy looked, I was impressed. I was impressed. I really, really was. Like, if you turned that game on, you didn't know who Jimmy Garoppolo was or you didn't know who Brock Purdy was and you had previously watched the starting quarterback of the 49ers there are other games that they played this year and you saw their backup step in, I don't think that you would have been able to notice a significant gap. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't look at Jimmy Garoppolo as being so many steps ahead of Brock Purdy. I don't. Like, I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager at best. And in this Kyle Shanahan offense, it's tailor-made for quarterbacks who don't have to do very much. You have to manage the game and not lose the game. But you don't have to outperform the opposing team's quarterback. We've seen in the playoffs many years where Jimmy Garoppolo got outplayed by Matthew Stafford, got outplayed by Aaron Rodgers, even though the Packers lost most of those games. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo get outperformed by opposing teams' quarterbacks many years in the NFC for the 49ers. But the 49ers have a complete football team, and they were able to overcome Jimmy Garoppolo being outplayed. Like, I, I always say that Jimmy Garoppolo is not elite. I don't even think that Jimmy Garoppolo is very good. I think Jimmy G is average at best, and he's a game manager, and I believe – that Brock Purdy could step in and be a game manager and be average the same way Jimmy Garoppolo has been during his tenure with the 49ers. Now, I do understand on the flip side how the 49ers have won a lot of their games with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter. You look at the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan with their starting quarterback. This includes the playoffs. With Jimmy G, the 49ers are 42-19. and 19. They win 69% of their games under Jimmy G, and they average 26 points per game. Now, this is under other quarterbacks that the 49ers have had. Their record is 9-29. and 29. They've won 24% of their games, and they average 22 points per game. That's with Trey Lance, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, and Brian Hoyer. But all of those guys are journeymen. 
besides Trey Lance. We don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. Trey Lance, it's unknown what type of career Trey Lance is going to have. But Hoyer, Bether, and Mullins are all below average quarterbacks. So I I understand that the Niners' winning percentage as a football team increases with Jimmy G at the helm, but the quarterbacks that they have had in to replace Jimmy G are not very good quarterbacks. They're not good at all. And it's a possibility that the 49ers may pick up Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I saw it earlier, he got picked up by the Rams. But earlier today, it was a possibility that, that the 49ers will look at him. But you look at the 49ers now without Jimmy Garoppolo. They got Brock Purdy, who's starting now. He's a seventh-round seventh pick in last year's NFL draft. They did sign Josh Johnson off of the Denver Broncos practice squad. He is one and eight as a starter. And then they got Jacob Eason. He's got signed to the practice squad November 15th. He has never started a game in the NFL. That's who the 49ers have right now at their quarterback depth chart. That's who they got. Purdy, Johnson, Eason. So, I thought maybe they should have looked into bringing in Baker Mayfield. I don't think that Baker Mayfield is very good either. But honestly, if I had to choose Baker Mayfield or Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson or Jacob Eason, give me Baker Mayfield. And, I, and Mayfield, I'm not impressed with Mayfield whatsoever at all. But I think the 49ers are going to be just fine because this defense is elite. You look at in this matchup. They forced two turnovers from Tua. Tua threw two interceptions in this game. And honestly, before this matchup, I had Tua as a top three MVP candidate. And I still believe that Tua can stay in range at being able to win the NFL MVP. But I think with his performance in week 13, compared to Jalen Hurts' performance against the Titans, I think Hurts has over lacked Tua in the MVP race. Even Burrow, honestly, as great as he's been playing, he's on the same level right now as Tua is. Now, again, I like the way Tua's been playing. Make no mistake about it. I love the football that Tua has played this year. Tua has definitely ascended for the Miami Dolphins. For the year, Tua got 21 touchdowns, five interceptions, 2,859 passing yards so we know Tua Tagovailoa has definitely progressed as a quarterback that's a fact but in this game against an elite 49ers defense Tua threw two interceptions that ultimately cost the Dolphins it, it cost them this game they had a chance to win this game at halftime the 49ers were only up 17-10 so the Dolphins had a chance to win this game but I thought the the 49ers rushing attack with Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason is what kept the 49ers ahead in this football game. McCaffrey had 17 carries, 66 rushing yards, average close to four yards per carry. Mason, eight carries, 51 yards. So we know that that 49ers running game is the strength of their offense. It's the strength of their offense. And they had 121 rushing yards. For the game, they had 40 minutes and time of possession. So the 49ers did a great job winning the time of possession over the Dolphins. Dolphins only had 19 total minutes and time of possession. So I thought that that was the biggest difference in the game overall. Dolphins went 0 of 7 on third down. 49ers went 8 of 19. So I thought the 49ers outplayed the Dolphins in this particular game. It doesn't change my opinion about the Dolphins. I still believe that the Dolphins are not only contenders in the AFC East, but contenders in the AFC overall. I think the Dolphins are a top three team right now in the AFC. Like, I think right now, the way these teams are playing, honestly, I'm going to go Bengals one, Chiefs two, Dolphins three. Now, the Bills have won their last three games over the Browns and Lions, and then they beat the – I can't remember who they beat in the mix of all that. But they 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 
Bills, I haven't been that impressed with the Bills this season. I, I haven't. Like, I know the Bills are a good football team. I know the Bills can beat anybody on any given Sunday. But they're, the Bills' last three wins, Browns, Lions, Patriots. That's right. They beat the Patriots last Thursday night. And the Thursday previous on Thanksgiving, they beat the Lions. So that's the last three wins for the Bills. Browns, Lions, Patriots. Not that impressive. I think right now the Bills are probably the fourth best team in the AFC right now. I'm taking the Dolphins, Bengals, and Chiefs over the Bills right now in the AFC. So I, this doesn't change my opinion about the Dolphins as an overall as a football team and my expectations for them as the season goes along. I still think they're contenders in the AFC East. I still think they're contenders in the AFC as a whole. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram. These guys know sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss Anthony Davis and how great he has been playing for the Lakers. I'll be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys. And also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some NBA and discuss the Los Angeles Lakers and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has been balling, ladies and gentlemen. In the Lakers' latest victory over the Washington Wizards Sunday, Anthony Davis dropped 55 points, 17 rebounds, three blocks in a 130-119 to win for the Lakers. The Lakers are currently playing right now in Cleveland. The Cavaliers lead the Lakers 50-47. to Anthony Davis only got one point. So far tonight, not sure if he's injured or if he's out, but he only got one point, and they are almost at the half. LeBron got 11 points for the Lakers. For the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell got 10 points. And Jared Allen got 22 points in the first half. He's been sensational. But when that comes to Anthony Davis and whether or not Anthony Davis is making a case for NBA MVP, I believe that the way that Anthony Davis is playing and the way that the Lakers are playing, you can make an argument for Anthony Davis being a sleeper for NBA MVP. The Lakers have won their last three games, and I watched the game Friday night. Lakers were in Milwaukee, primetime matchup on a Friday night. We got LeBron AD versus Middleton who made his season debut against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And that was probably the best game I've saw and witnessed so far this year. That Lakers-Bucks game Friday night in Milwaukee was the best game I have witnessed in 2022. Lakers beat the Bucks 133 to 129. And in that game, Anthony Davis had 44 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. He shot 18 of 27 from the floor, two of three from three-point range, six of seven from the free throw line. Anthony Davis was sensational. And honestly, he outplayed Giannis. Now, Giannis had a great game as well. Giannis had 40 points. On 16 of 23 shooting from the floor, 8 of 11 from the free throw line. So Giannis didn't have a bad game. He had 40, 
and five, but Anthony Davis had 44 and 10. I thought that, honestly, it was the best I've seen Anthony Davis play in three years. Since the Lakers won the championship in the bubble, Friday night was the best performance I've seen from Anthony Davis since the Lakers won the championship in the bubble. It's been that long. And then he followed that up with a great performance against the Wizards, dropping 55 points, 17 rebounds, and three blocks. He was sensational. 22 of 30, shooting from the floor. He made all of his free throws. Anthony Davis has been outstanding. So far this season, he has career highs in points, rebounds, field goal percentage, two-point field goal percentage, and he has a career low in three-point attempts. That is a recipe for success for Anthony Davis and the L.A. Lakers to be contenders in the Western Conference. He has career highs in two-point field goal percentage and career lows in three-point attempts. If Anthony Davis continues to play at this level he's currently playing at, the Lakers are not only contenders in the Western Conference, they are contenders in the NBA overall. He's been sensational. He's been sensational, and this is what we've been waiting on for the last two years. We've been waiting on Anthony Davis to elevate himself, to be in that same conversation as Giannis, as Jokic, as Embiid, and Anthony Davis. I believe that he has answered the call, and he is now leading this Lakers team as the number one option. We've been waiting on Anthony Davis to step up and elevate his game, and he's done it over the last two weeks for the Lakers. Uh, he's been sensational. This is over the last nine games. He's averaged 20.9 in paint points per game. So. One of the biggest issues that I had with AD over the last two years, I thought he settled way too much and bailed out opposing teams when they played against the Lakers because he settled for way too many perimeter shots. Way too many perimeter shots. That's playing into the hands of opposing teams when they play against the Lakers. Anthony Davis is athletic. He's skilled. And Anthony Davis can play in the paint like Embiid, like Tim Duncan, like Carl Malone did in his career. He can play in the paint. Now, don't get me wrong. Can Anthony Davis hit perimeter shots? Yes, we know he can hit perimeter shots like Kevin Garnett did. But I want Anthony Davis to be aggressive and demand the basketball. And he's been doing just that in his three-game winning streak for the Lakers. He's been doing a great job at being aggressive and understanding his role on this Lakers basketball team. Whatever Darvin Ham has done, he has lit a fire under Anthony Davis, and it's showed in his performances. It really has. I don't know why he only got one point tonight. I'm not sure if he's dealing with an injury or if he left the game. But in that game against the Wizards and against the Bucks on Friday night, Anthony Davis became the third player in NBA history to have 95 points on 70% shooting over a two-game span. Only Kevin McHale and Wilt Chamberlain did it. They're the only two other players to do that. So he's been sensational. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Lakers could be contenders in the West if AD keeps this up. Seriously. They could be contenders. I like the way this... Lakers team is playing right now. You got Russell Westbrook. And I think Russ has played well recently for the Lakers. We were talking about earlier in the season how the Lakers are going to have to trade Russell Westbrook and how he's not a good fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I said it. But the way Russ has played during this Lakers resurgence has been great. I like the way Russell Westbrook has played. He hasn't done too much. He knows that he has to get the ball to Davis on the low block and get the ball to LeBron James at different points throughout the game. And he hasn't tried to do too much. 
That's what you want with Westbrook. You don't want Westbrook to do too much. And I like the way Russ has been playing. Russ is averaging on the season 15 points per game, eight assists per game, five rebounds. And he's playing his role. He's playing his role. Like, he's adapted very well. I've been very critical of Russell Westbrook, the basketball player, on my show and at previous times last season. But I got to get credit where it's due. Russell Westbrook has been playing sensational. He's been playing sensational, and he's doing very well in his role for the Lakers. He's not dominating the basketball. He's moving the basketball at a fast pace at various times throughout games. Not every time he touches the basketball, he's pushing the pace and flying up the court. No, he understands the pace that the Lakers have to play to win games. I like the way this Lakers team is playing right now. Austin Reeves, he's been contributing for the Lakers. Lonnie Walker has done a great job as well. We know that Patrick Beverly is a defensive specialist for the Lakers. If they can get some production out of Kendrick Nunn, they got a chance. Now, honestly, I like the way that Darwin Ham has them playing because the Lakers have adapted and they have recognized their strengths. The strength of this Lakers team is to play around the paint and get quality shots in the paint at the basket. This is not a team that has perimeter shooting to shoot a bunch of threes in basketball games. That's not how this Lakers team is built. Over the last month, the Lakers have shot a league high at paint points and, and, and shots that are not three-point attempts. They've shot a league high, and they've shot a league low in perimeter shots. So they're not shooting as many threes at this point in the season compared to what they shot at the beginning of the season. And I think that is a recipe for success for this Lakers team to be contenders in the Western Conference. Attack the rim with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. You do not have shooters like the Warriors, like the Celtics. You don't have that type of shooting on your team. So I like the way that they've been playing. I like their play style as a basketball team. And I love the way Anthony Davis has played over the last two weeks. He has definitely creeped his way into the NBA MVP conversation in the early part of the season. And if the Lakers continue to win games with Anthony Davis playing this way, Lakers can be contenders in the West and make some noise. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the wise guys on Instagram at these guys no sports. I'll be right back. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some college football and talk about Deion Sanders as Deion Sanders is now the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. They haven't been very relevant in the last 20 years. Deion Sanders is the head coach now in Buffalo. And basically, there's a lot of people that feel some type of way about Deion Sanders now being the head coach at Colorado. He was previously the head coach at Jackson State. And there are a lot of people, and I'm going to be specific when I say this, in the black community that has an issue with Deion Sanders 
leaving Jackson State for Colorado in the immediate aftermath of the Jackson State win in the SWAT championship. You heard Dion talk to his team after the game and explain to them that he is going to take this Colorado job and how, you know, you know, he basically explained to his team what his next moves are. And he explained that, you know, they still have a lot of things to be proud of at Jackson State. And then you saw that he got on a plane and left to go to Colorado and had a press conference Sunday morning slash afternoon. And he spoke with players that are a part of that Colorado program and explained to them that he's going to be bringing players from Jackson State and players that he already previously recruited to Colorado to play with. And basically, when I went to bed Saturday night, I made a Facebook post, and I said I'm going to sleep on him leaving Jackson State for Colorado because I don't have all the facts, and I don't want to make an emotional post. I want to make sure I got my facts straight, and I understand what his ultimate goals are and what he left behind at Jackson State. So this situation involving Dion, honestly, this is a situation where it's not black and white. I understand both sides. And I understand people who are frustrated with Dion, but I also understand people who support Dion's decision to go to Colorado. A lot of times in sports, we try to make fans and reporters and people in the media, we try to make people pick a side, whether it's Tom Brady or Joe Montana in the GOAT conversation in the NFL, whether it's LeBron James or Michael Jordan in the GOAT conversation in the NBA. We always try to force fans of sports to pick a side. Who's your favorite player? Who's your favorite team? Who is the best in your eyes? Whether it's a player or a team, who's the best? And sometimes we get our answers when these players and teams face off against each other. But there are times, not only in sports and in life, where you can understand both sides of the spectrum. And I understand both sides on this situation involving Deion Sanders. I want to talk about the people who have an issue with Deion Sanders leaving for Jackson, for Colorado first. I understand the frustration. If it was up to me, I would have wanted Deion to stay at Jackson State as well because I would have wanted him to be the face of a new day and time and era for black coaches to understand how important athletics are at HBCU schools. I would have wanted Dion to stay longer than three years. I understand that. I get it because I feel like he gave off the impression like he was there for the long haul. He gave the impression to recruits that he wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I would have preferred for Dion to stay at Jackson State longer than three years. But with that being said, look at what he accomplished in his three seasons at Jackson State. Dion, in three years at Jackson State, went 26 and 5. He won back-to-back conference championships. He signed Travis Hunter to play for Jackson State. He was a 2022 number two recruit out of high school. He won the 2021 Eddie Robinson Award. And in 2022, Jackson State went 11-0 in the regular season in its first ever undefeated regular season he also had college game day on campus at jackson state earlier in the season 
He also had a relationship with, I believe it was American Airlines, where the Jackson State football team, they were able to travel on first-class flights when they had their football games. He also had a relationship with Under Armour, where they are sponsored now by Under Armour with their uniforms. And they also had multiple different uniforms for their football team that they wore throughout the season. They got an all blue set, all white set. They have various different options as uniform options to choose from. Also, they have a new stadium as well, I believe, that they are trying to build or they already built that Pepsi sponsored and helping them come up with the money to build the new stadium. Also, Dion was only getting reportedly 300K to coach the Jackson State football team. And some of that money he gave back to the university to help the university as far as sports and athletics and just the university as a whole build up the university and improve. He he poured back into Jackson State. It ain't like Dion just didn't dedicate his time, his money back into the university. He gave some of his own money that he was earning back to the university and he wasn't getting paid very much. He wasn't getting paid very much. This is Dion primetime centers we're talking about here. And honestly, I understand those who are frustrated because you wanted Dion to stay longer. I get it. I would have preferred for Dion to stay longer as well. But to call him a sellout to me is a significant reach and something that is not true. It's not true. He's not a sellout. Dion, honestly, where he went wrong was he gave off the impression that he was going to be at Jackson State for a significant amount of time. But he didn't say he was going to stay forever. He never said he was going to stay forever at Jackson State. He even went on 60 Minutes last month and said that if an opportunity presents itself, he will leave Jackson State for the right opportunity. And not only that, he now has helped his coaching staff that were members on his coaching staff who he took with him to Colorado. He increased their salaries by bringing them to Colorado to coach alongside him. If that ain't helping out his people and people who he love and care about, I don't know what is. This is America. Everybody is trying to improve their quality of life. I'm never going to knock a man for basically trying to position himself, or woman, man or woman, basically trying to position himself to improve on his quality of life and basically have a pay increase. He's going from being paid 300K by the Jackson State program to being paid 500 or 5 million, 5 million by Colorado. $5 million. That's a significant increase. Significant. And honestly, like, I love the fact that he's challenging the players that are already on the Colorado football team because this football team went 1 11 this year. They went 1 11. They were terrible. Okay, so they needed a change and they needed a voice like Deion Sanders to come in and try to help their football team. Now, if I'm Deion, I would have taken the Colorado job because I would have tried to get something better, but I understand why he took it. Like, I kind of, I believe that Deion could have got a better job. I, I would have preferred Deion to be at Florida State because he played at the University of Florida State. And I believe he would have been a, been a great coach for that university. I would have preferred him in Florida State with the Seminoles and built that program up. But I understand 
that he wanted to be at a power five school and Colorado gives him that opportunity. Colorado gives him an opportunity to be at a power five school and in a power five conference. I mean, they're one and 11, but they are in a power five conference and they're going to be a better football team for future seasons to come under Dion. I understand people that are frustrated with Dion, but I think calling him a sellout is a reach, a significant reach. But I understand as well people who are supporting Dion who understand why he made this decision because it's not only about him. This is about other coaches on his coaching staff. Deion Sanders is one of only 13 coaches at the collegiate level who are African-Americans. So he's only 13 African-American coaches, and Deion Sanders is one of them now. So, again, I understand the frustrations. I would have loved him to stay at Jackson State longer than he did. And, honestly, I don't like the Colorado job, but I understand it because it's going to get him another opportunity to get another job at a bigger school, even bigger than Colorado. So I get it. I get it 100%. I understand. I get the fact that he had recruits that wanted to come to Jackson State only to play for him. I understand all of that. But he also said he's bringing luggage with him to Colorado. So some of those players who are on Jackson State and who were recruits by Dion, who are coming to Jackson State to play, they're on their way now to Colorado. They're on their way. So that's my take on it. I'm going to talk about this more on Thursday night's show. I'm going to be taking callers. Call them to the show on Thursday night, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. I'm Trey Larkins on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Thursday night, I'm going to have a big-time guest on the show. It's going to be Wilton Jackson of Sports Illustrated. We're going to preview NFL Week 14 and give, talk about the big-time matchups in the NFL this weekend. Enjoy your Tuesday night. I'm signing off. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.